You're listening to the Manifest Massively podcast with Nicole Renee Ray. Welcome back to the Manifest Massively podcast. You can tell we were just talking about how we're still recovering from the holidays. So <laughs> I have with me today Jasmine. She's a manifestation mentor and spiritual guide. And I met Jasmine in this amazing mastermind. And we were obviously both manifestation teachers. <laughs> and it just felt so right to share this conversation with you. Share Jasmine has this amazing, unique take on manifestation. And so we're going to talk about that among other things today. So Jasmine, would you like to share anything before we get started? No, let's just dive in. Okay. okay. As we were prepping for this, one of the things that I said that I just felt was inspiring as I got to know you in the mastermind was you had this unique take on how you coach around manifestation. So let's talk about that and then we'll go from there. Yeah. So I think I like to focus on it not techniques, but changing your identity. Like when you focus on your core beliefs, you manifest things on autopilot. So a lot of teachers, and even I used to teach this way in the past, is that you focus on techniques. So there's like the five by five technique, or it was a trend on TikTok, the lucky girl technique. There's just these, all of these different techniques and they're fun. Don't make me wrong. But when you focus on your self-concept, which is a term coined by Neville Goddard, if you focus on your self-concept, that happens naturally. You don't need to do all of these different techniques. That's amazing. So it's like almost like organic manifesting, right? Yeah, because manifesting is natural. There's nothing. Manifestation isn't magic. You're, you've been manifesting since you were born. It's just intentional manifestation is what you will step into if you decide to study it. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so self-concept, right? And shifting beliefs and self-concepts. So the way I understand self-concept is you're essentially shifting your beliefs about yourself. Yes. But I would also say sometimes that can be a little bit easier said than done. Definitely, yeah. So definitely. let's dive into how does somebody go about this? If, if I have $1,000 in my bank account, but I am choosing to manifest $500,000, how do I really go about shifting that self-concept to be the person with the $500,000? That's see, that's what I did in my previous businesses. I focused on these very specific goals, like when someone would want $500,000, for example. And there's nothing wrong with having a specific goal. It's just easier, in my opinion, to just become someone who is wealthy, who would never have to worry about needing just $500,000 than it is to focus on just the goal of having $500,000. So as far as shifting would go, it would, it would depend on where you start. What do you believe about money? Like Really digging into those limiting beliefs and then shifting them. And then I think what makes my approach different is I feel like a lot of stuff in manifestation is very like in your head. Like it's a lot of like things that you're thinking and writing and like affirming. But I find that the, the biggest way I shifted, especially with money, is literally putting myself in different environments. So when I was doing a lot of my money work, I'm from Southern California and I was living in Los Angeles. And a lot of where I was living at the time, it was like not the greatest area. Like I was fresh out of college. And so I literally just started going to grocery stores in richer areas. It just started with these little things. So when you immerse yourself next to people who have what you want to have, it happens a lot quicker. So for me, it's not just like what you're doing in your head, but also what you're doing in the world. 
and what you're practically doing to shift these things. Because really the thing with money especially is just normalizing it. When it seems like it's this big deal, it's harder to see yourself as the person that has money when it's like this grand thing that you put on a pedestal. Yeah, I have a similar, like when I was working in Southern California, a lot of my clientele, they were a much wealthier demographic. And I definitely believe that the relationships that I had and just being in their homes, it definitely just helped me, like you said, just normalize it and go like, of course I can have more. Like it's not even that it's easy, but like you said, it's just organic because you're just in it. You're in the environment. You, I love that tip really, right? Instead of in your head, forcing yourself to think new thoughts or think new beliefs, it's what would my wealthier self actually do? Like she would shop at Whole Foods, not at my local. And then you're actually there in the environment doing what you would do. And I feel like that signals to your, your subconscious mind in a deeper way. Then not to say that sitting and writing affirmations is bad, right? No, it definitely works. It's just, it works faster when you add on that real life component. Yeah, I think that's so good. On the note of self-concept, what was something that you manifested that just made you go, oh my gosh, this is how you do it. This is... I think my first like foray into self-concept is that I'm an only child. So I got a lot of like attention because I was literally the only child. And I realized that receiving things was really easy for me. And I found that it was easier for me than some of my friends at the time or even people in my family. I just assumed that people wanted to help me. I assumed people wanted to give me things. And that's the experience that I've had. Like everywhere I go, I get such good treatment. I get free things. Like I've just had this thing. And it was actually pointed out to me by my first coach. She was like, oh, it's like you have a princess coat. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, you just have this thing about like how you see yourself that you attract this princess treat. And I was like, oh, and then I realized how integral it was to who I am and like how it like translates into different areas of my life, like money, relationships, like it, it spans so many different. And I was like, oh, that's like a part of my self-concept. That's amazing. So it was just already normal for you to just receive the good. Yeah. Because it was just like, it almost like it was so natural and normal for you that it literally took somebody outside of you to point it out. Like, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> they didn't know they were doing that spiritual work on me, but I think it was very important that my parents never told me that something was too expensive for me. Mm-hmm. They didn't talk about money with me. They didn't make me feel. And it's not like we were super rich. We were fine. We were doing okay. But it's the fact that if I wanted something and we couldn't buy it right then, they'd be like, oh, we'll save up for it. But they never said, oh, that's too expensive. That's too much. And so I think that's where that really started for me. That is so good. So good. That's amazing. Tell me a little bit more about how you came into this, like how you found yourself in becoming, in mastering manifestation, in teaching and mentoring on manifestation like this is like your business now so I started really young I have an aunt who is really into astrology so that was the gateway was astrology and we would read the little like part in the magazine at the back of it like your horoscope when I was like eight or nine and then when I got older I've always liked to read so when I got older and I had Christmas money or birthday money I would go to Barnes and Noble and I would always end up in the spiritual section I'm <laughs> here <laughs> Yeah, I bought a book about the religion Wicca, which at the time was like a, it's like a nature-based religion. And you, some witches are Wiccan, but not all witches are Wiccan. But 
I read this book about Wicca. And then I started reading more books about tarot and more things about astrology. And it just like, snowballed from there. Yeah. And as far as how it turned into a business is I had a Tumblr blog in the beginning of college. I was 17 or 18. And I was just blogging there for fun. I wasn't really trying to make money. That's just what happened. And at that point, I had called myself a witch probably since I was like 13 or 14. I had been practicing. And then eventually people started asking me if I would do spells for that. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I never considered it. So then it was like one thing led to another. I was doing tarot readings. I was doing spells. And it grew into this very successful thing over the years and by the end of college it was like a full-blown business so that's really how I got into this wow wow and then how does that differ from what you do now yeah so the reason I made the switch because I loved that business and I will never say that like my past beliefs or my past work or witchcraft or any of that stuff doesn't work it's not that it doesn't work but what I noticed is that I got a lot of repeat clients which is great for business but I noticed that even though we would have worked on one area or one specific thing in an area, like we worked on their credit card, debt, let's say, then they would come back with something else. Oh, they have a new bill. And it was in the same area. And I noticed that pattern. And I was like, oh, we're working on one thing, but they're not changing their beliefs. We're manifesting these little things one by one. But why is that whole area not changing? Even if they get what they want, why is their whole that part of their life not getting better? And as I started to examine, that's when I ran into self-concept. And I was like, oh, I don't think I can really serve people the way I feel to serve people now that I know this. And so I stopped doing spells. I moved to a different way to help people. Yeah. And it sounds like it's a deeper, more expansive way. Like you're like, I don't want you to just have the one thing or the one specific goal. Now I understand like why you highlighted that earlier in the conversation, but like, how do I support someone in actually like transforming themselves such that it's just eradicated, right? Like that area of their life is totally transformed. That's amazing. That's super powerful. Yeah. So 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 I loved it. And I do, I still do retail for myself for business anymore, but yeah, it's never that I think that's wrong or that I still have witch friends and I still respect the work that I did. It's more that I just didn't feel integrity any longer, just working on these small goals. And I was like, if we changed their core beliefs, this wouldn't be a problem anymore. So I could have continued to get those clients and make sure. more money, but that didn't feel in integrity anymore. But it's almost like you evolved, right? Like your yeah. consciousness and your understanding and you evolved. And so of course, like as you evolve, your leadership and your mentoring evolves. Yeah. So it just, yeah, it sounds perfect. It also reminds me of like when I first started doing intuitive readings, I noticed that there were some people like the customer base in that world would come to really, I need to know the future. I need to know the future. And I need to know it from somebody else. And it really, it really hit something for me where I made me decide that instead of just trying to predict the future, like using readings as a way to actually support someone in developing their own intuition and their own connection to their own intuition because to me, that just seems so much more ethical in in having the purpose really be about empowerment instead of prediction. Yeah, I 100% agree because I used to do the same kind of readings. Yeah. And 
I actually have a, a client that I just talked with that I hadn't talked to in a while. She took a couple of my courses and we just did a follow-up call and she just shared so much growth. But she was one of those people that when I first met her, she was like, going to the psychic and going to that psychic and yes, like trying yeah. to write. And it comes from a place of manipulation and control, right? And, how yeah. I, and I just think that lines right up to what you're saying that if we're truly embodying our own power to be able to command something into existence, to be able to bring something into existence, that is not a way of being. That's not a way to no. utilize those services. Yeah. And the person who is confidently receiving in that new reality, like, they wouldn't be doing that. No, they so. wouldn't be having that kind of reason. Yeah, that is so good. Do you have anything else that's like on your mind that you feel like would be really impactful? Like when it comes to those like intuitive readings, I still participate in them sometimes. I have a lot of friends who do intuitive readings, but for me, it's more like confirming that I'm on the right timeline. Because it's yeah. less about, oh my God, is this thing going to happen? Or I need to check like this. Because I still love those things. I, I still think astrology is so fun. And I still like I love intuitive reading. But it's more now I don't use it to validate me because I know I'm going to get what I want. It's more about checking, am I on the right timeline? Because it's only a matter of time until I am. They're like, it's this certainty now that there yeah, wasn't before. So empowering. It's just such an empowered stance. And so much more fulfilling to live your life that way than to live <laughs> this like outside thing yeah. kind of validate whether or not you're worthy of this thing or good enough or you're thinking the right thoughts and doing the right thing yeah yeah so yeah. good so i also know that you and i share a love of joe dispenza yes and i just released a module in one of my courses on the quantum physics of manifesting so what, what do you have to say about that? Are those tools, those meditations? Yeah. So I realized, unfortunately, in a very in-your-face way, that my self-concept about my health was trash. <laughs> it was something that I really neglected. And it was something I knew that I had a problem with. I did grow up with very hypochondriac, kind of helicoptery parents when it came to health. So I don't think I developed the best beliefs about my body and about what it was capable of. And so when I basically experienced chronic illness and I could no longer work and I couldn't, I guess, maintain what I had built, I, I completely like I was working in the sense that I was still making money from passive things that I had set up, but I was not taking any clients. I wasn't making any new content. And I found Joe Dispenza during that time. And basically, I experienced a short summary. I experienced a medication injury that gave me chronic body pain all over. So chronic nerve pain, tendon damage, like it was, and I was 25 when that happened. So it was two years ago. And basically what they told me was, you're young, you might bounce back, but we don't know. So you're not supposed to experience these kind of side effects if you're under 60, but it does happen. And basically, sorry. <laughs> so there's no, there was nothing that they offered. There was nothing they could do. So when I found Joe Dispenza and I started doing the meditations, I healed myself in six weeks. Wow. Six weeks. Yeah. So doctors are telling you, we don't know what's going to happen. Like you could recover. You could not. They didn't really tell you what to do. It sounds like they kind of sound <laughs> like it's a matter of time. Like we'll find out. And then you instead said, or 
found that fell into your lap or attracted in. Yeah. Really, like when you're being told that, you're probably like, that doesn't yeah. sit right with me. We're going to get through this. And just decided to like do the work, do the internal work, do the yeah. energetic work. Do And then, of course, like I definitely see how his work weaves into self-concept because yes, so much sure. about releasing those old patterns. Yeah, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself is probably my favorite of his books, which is basically all about self-concept. So, I mean, for me, it was that I think before that event, which was like the catalyst, I guess, I had accepted a lot of like little health issues. Like I was just, oh, that's just how it is. Like I had, I, I did the complete opposite of what I teach. I had no standards. I had no expectations. I just thought that health was one of those things that you couldn't control I, it was just like left up to and once I had accepted these it was just little things at first it wasn't anything big but once that happened and I was faced with you might not be able to function the way that you for the rest of your life because those forums what happened to me it has a name it's called being flocks those forums are scary <laughs> if you go in those forums people even my age even now I see on Instagram or TikTok they're in wheelchairs like it's a very serious injury and so seeing that, I was like, I can't accept that. There was just this thing that happened very strongly in turn. I cannot accept Like that. your soul spoke. Your soul. Yeah, it like, was like, uh, no, no way. Absolutely not. And so I realized that I need to really tighten up like what I believe about my health and about my body. I don't know how I'm going to do it because I was obviously that was very traumatic, but I'm going to do it. And I, I didn't even start the meditations thinking that, oh, I'm going to completely heal. I just thought if I can lessen the pain or at least if I can change how I see what happened to me. But it just so happened that in six weeks, it was gone. I did take supplements and stuff, but I really, I'll never know exactly what caused the change, but I do think the meditation really helped because that's when I really started seeing results. Yeah, that's amazing. And then what a beautiful lesson for your soul yeah. to come to the know and understand and then be able to share with, clients and students and followers that you yourself had this like direct experience with shifting your self-concept. For those of you that don't know Joe Dispenza's work, and I'll just share a little bit of my experience and like in how his meditations help with self-concept, the ones that I have done, it's like literally you will come to observe the ways of being you don't want to be anymore. Like the ways of yeah. being, the, way, the, the ways of being that you're just like, I'm releasing this way of being. I'm releasing this reality. And then after releasing that, you really start to think about who would I be and what would it feel like and what would it look like and what would it feel like in my body? And in his words, you're literally like rehearsing and almost teaching your body exactly how to experience that. So it's like a direct Ex like internal experience of yourself in that new reality and that that is like the core of the work doing that enough times where your body knows it and remembers it so much so that and to come back to what you said you can't not have it happen because you believe about yourself so deeply so in such an embodied way that it just of course it happens. It just becomes inevitable because it's really you become the person that is having that experience. Yeah. I think with chronic illness, it's never something you want to go through, but it is something that I 
learned a lot from because the medication injury, fortunately, is not the last thing I would go through. <laughs> but I, I struggled a lot with fatigue at the time. And I was not completely bed bound, but I was, that's really all I was doing was like getting up and eating and doing the meditations. And even though that was resolved within six weeks, the rest of the problems were not. And I was, I would say that it lasted about a year and a half for me. And in that time, I did learn really that I was living out what I was teaching because I had, I knew that I had a strong self-concept in areas like money and relationships. And when I could do nothing, I was literally contributing nothing. Those things did not fall apart. I still made money. My relationships were completely fine. And it taught me like this works, like this is real. Because when I was literally not contributing anything, like I only could lay in bed and I was not producing I still had all of this support at somehow, some way, the universe was still supporting me. And it taught me in this very real way that like, I am solid. Like I might not be solid around this area, but if you do this work, there are no circumstances that can erode what you build. Mm, that is so powerful. And then for you to even see the contrast of the two, see and experience the contrast of here, I went through this thing, my money wasn't affected, my relationships weren't affected. And then to make that connection and go, of course, they weren't affected because the self-concept, the, the, the beliefs about how it should be, the expectation and assumption of how it should be were so solid. And then you can correlate that to, and then here's this other area that what it, yeah, this is where I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing. That is, I think it's so important that when we go through things like that, because I think what's typical is people will react very dramatically and there will be a lot of like fear and concern. And it seems to me like you really had a calm presence with yourself about it. And maybe yeah. not all the time, but you found it enough to be able to reflect and pay attention to this and connect all of these dots. Do you yeah. feel like that contributed to your ability to be able to make the shift? I do. I think I had inner knowing, even when my emotions were very chaotic. That's something that I do teach in my own work is that I feel like there's a lot of like love and light and positivity washing in this space and I think that's fine I think having positive thoughts like that stuff does help but as someone who has struggled with anxiety and depression their whole life your this is controversial but your emotions have nothing to do with what you can manifest mm -hmm. I would have half the things I have if it was based on how positive my thoughts were <laughs> if that's what was deciding it just wouldn't I wouldn't have the life that I have it's something deeper than that. Like when you have, when you work on your self-concept and your core beliefs, it's deeper than your emotions. You can feel stressed out and depressed and hopeless because I felt all those things when I was just laying in bed, but I still had this deeper, something deeper than that. And that's what I really focus on working on. That is so great. And yeah, I think that I agree with you. There's almost like people don't have permission to just be human. Yeah. So have sure. human experience because like, Humans go through stuff like humans yeah. have anxiety and depression. Humans go through loss. Humans go through challenges. And when humans go through those challenges, they feel the feelings that are associated with those that are like normal feelings to have in those situations. So when we judge ourselves for that, it's almost like it suppresses this power that I feel like you're speaking to. But when we're able to compartmentalize and go, 
I'm a human having a human experience, but there's also this other part of me that has a say and that actually does get to lead if I let it. And I can see how you empowered that deeper part of who you were rather than identifying with the illness or the anxiety or the depression or just like the human stuff that comes up with dealing with being human. And I think that it's so rare to point to that because I think it just gives people permission to have the human experience they're having. I also think that the goal isn't to be like happy 24-7. That's just not, that's not, it's not a natural human experience. No. For some people that, that is like the goal that they want to spend as much time being happy and light as possible. And I think that's a great thing, but I want to experience the full spectrum of human emotion. I don't necessarily make it my goal. I feel like I'm happy a lot of the time, no matter like what I'm going through. But I definitely think that the goal shouldn't necessarily to be to feel as positive and high vibe all the time. When you tie that to I have to feel this way to get what I want, if you make that connection, then it is a connection. But I disconnected that very quickly. I was like, my emotions have nothing to do with what I can receive or what I can have. Yeah. And it goes back to the power of that belief because truly, and I just heard this quote, it's objective reality doesn't exist because everybody's perceiving through their own perception. And so if you're believing that you created this, it's not a separation, but the word compartmentalization like comes up. It's yeah, <laughs> I get to have my feelings and I get to be powerful as fuck and, and attract what it is that I know that I deserve. And like you said, believing you're worthy of it, believing that it's on its way, believing that it's going to happen is coming from this deeper place of who you are instead of whatever. Our emotions can just be affected by so many things. Our cycles. Seriously. (laughs) Like other things happening. So, yeah, I think that's really powerful. And in a way, you're almost taking your power back from your emotions by not identifying with them and letting them be what they are yeah you can't believe everything you think at least I can't believe everything I but I think emotions are a shaky foundation to build manifestation off of Mm. if it's just oh if I'm feeling good then things are good that's not to me like a foolproof way I genuinely especially during the podcast thing I was like I have disaster proof self-concept like I am going through this is like the absolute worst time in my life and my life isn't falling apart. Like I, I really struggled with like perfectionism and like overachieving. And I thought if I can't produce anything, no one's going to want me around. I'm going to lose all my friends. Like I'm not going to have any money. And it proved to me that that is not true. Like you are solid in these areas because you've done the work. I did work on it for many years. So even though I had those negative thoughts, just emotions, didn't mean anything about my beliefs. Everything was not only fine, it got better. Those things just multiplied. They came through in ways that I couldn't have predicted. That's amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Oh, I, I love like not knowing where the conversation is going to go. <laughs> and then finding myself and yeah, this is what we're supposed to be talking about. For the listener who is new to this level of depth with manifesting, and you have this like beautiful purple light ray. I don't know if you can oh, see. Oh, I know. I see. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. It's like violet flame. What would you tell them as they get started, as they are like, okay, this is a deeper realm that I haven't explored before. How would you guide them in just a couple of steps to start to walk that path? 
I think if you have only been exposed to just like really like mainstream or I guess like pop manifestation, I would look into the law of assumption, not the law of attraction, but the law of assumption, which is literally it just states that we assume something about everything. We assume how relationships work. We assume how money works. We assume how things in reality work. What are you assuming about those things? If you could just make a list of the major areas of your life, so relationships, money, lifestyle, health, what do you assume good and bad about those things? I would start there because your self-concept is based on things that you assume about everything, basically. About yourself, about reality, and then about those areas. That is so good. I love that you can take your journal out and actually, yeah. I think it just requires a real uh, deep self-honesty. Yes. And that level of self-acceptance that like, okay, even if I am, if I happen to be assuming the worst about something. Yeah then, okay, that's all right. We can shift that assumption. I think it's when we're so afraid to be fully honest with ourselves about those things that we can suppress because we're trying to be good versus if we're just willing to like, all right, what's really good? What are are the automatic thoughts? What are the automatic perceptions that's already there? I think that would be required for that, for sure. But then for sure, when you can see, I know for me, probably one of the most major transfers transformations around that line was in manifesting my husband because like my dad left when I was four my brother died when I was 21 so like the belief men leave was like very much embedded in my experience and a lot of my behaviors just really reflected that especially in my early 20s and I literally I had to change my concept of men I had to change my concept of relationships I had to change my concept of what I believe I deserve But even before I could do those things, I had to stop and go, oh, dang, I do expect them to do this. And I do believe this already and believe that I have to control and make it go a certain way because I don't believe it's just naturally going to happen. And it's more humbling, but it's no, it really is. I think for me, the chronic illness stuff, it was the most humbling because it had been years since I struggled with this kind of stuff. Like when you do this for so long, it just feels second nature. But then when you, actually have to become like a student of your own work it is very humble but I still relate to what you said because my I worked on relationships first too that was like the first thing I worked on I have a very similar background I my dad left as soon as I was born basically and I had a lot of assumptions about not even it didn't translate necessarily to men for me it just I had a lot of assumptions about like relationships don't work Mm. I had a lot of assumptions about love and like all of the relationships I saw growing up were very dysfunctional or they were very cold. There wasn't a lot of, they had been together for many years, but they didn't like each other. So I had this belief that like longevity and happiness could not coexist. Long-term partnership just meant eventually things would fizzle out and die. I had, that was a belief I really had to work. Wow. Yeah. And you've been with your partner for how long now? 11 years. Yeah. So it's not true. <laughs> it's still as disgusting as we were the first year. Yeah, so it's not. Know. Yeah, it's not. But it is something that is, it's hard to untangle. I think that is something I would say about identity is we tend to see our circumstances, whether it's like we're going on disaster dates or we don't have any money or whatever it is. And because we want to find community and we want to find belonging, we go look for more people in that circumstance. I used to do this with my health. I was like, let me join these Facebook groups where they're saying the worst possible outcome and they're sharing terrible, gory pitch. 
And it came from a place of wanting to find belonging and community. And that's so natural. But when you start to identify with your whatever problem you're having by joining groups or like talking to other people constantly about how you don't have any money or how things aren't working, you just make the link stronger. And that's the first thing I had to stop doing with the chronic health is I have to stop reading the shit. Like it's not helping. So important. And I think this day and age, like we're just bombarded with so much at every angle, right? It's like just driving down the street and then just, of course, social media. And it's like this platform, that platform. But we do have the ability to control and say what rooms we're going to allow ourselves to be in and what rooms are not going to allow ourselves to be in with what it is that we're manifesting. So I think that's a really good example of, again, like taking something that it required some humility, but then through that, you actually got your power and then created clearly what you really wanted and what you're meant for to live happy life. Yes. Yeah. I think that uh, I've noticed a lot of people who go through chronic health issues. It can be a really huge initiation if you mm-hmm. let it. And for me, it definitely was because I never thought I would ever talk about health in my work. I That did not bring me joy. But now that I've had that happen, can't see it not being a part of like my work just because if I could have had me when I was going through it before I was me, I think I, it would have saved me a lot of time for sure. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That that really also speaks to whatever challenge. It's not that we're like supposed to or that like we deserve to go through that challenge, but there really can be a gift that comes out of, of a challenge, even though, of course, like maybe we wish we wouldn't, wouldn't go through it. But at the same time, it's a paradox, right? Like at the same yeah. Like you learned so much like from that experience. Yeah, it can require, like you said, a lot of honesty, because I think for me, it's not that way for everyone. And I I don't judge people that it's not that way for. But I was not surprised that happened to me when I looked back at all the things I believed. I was like, oh, yeah, this this makes sense. I think being an energetic match also unfortunately, is true for bad things too. There's a reason that people can be very reckless with their health and nothing happens to them. And I was obsessive about my health and that happened to me because of what I believed and what I thought about the world. And that can be, it's not that I blame myself or I blame anyone else. It's just a matter of knowing, usually if you were having an experience, you can trace back to what you believed or what you saw growing up. I mean, more than often, it's usually that we don't believe anything. We're mm. just going off of default. And when you yes. go off of default, if you had a bad childhood, that's not a good idea. Right. So I think for me, I was just going off of default. I was just going off what my parents thought about how yeah. I hadn't ever explored it. Nobody ever consciously said, this is what we will believe about health and physicality. Yeah. It was just whatever was around me yeah yeah for who knows how many generations and society it was just a lot of i think when you grow up around something and either it's not talked about or it's talked about negatively you can pick up things that you later have to yeah and i think it's important to emphasize like really making the distinction between what is your default programming that's a lot of thing that i focus on in when i teach on money really things but it's like what is the default programming that was inherited because and i just Heard it said this way this past weekend. What we're generally taught about money, what we're generally taught to believe about money was made up by a bunch of dead old white men. 
It's true. Yeah. And if you want to trace it back, like that's where it came from. And none of it is necessarily true. Like they just made that up for whatever, whatever purpose they had. And so that work of identifying where did I get this belief from? Where did it, where did it come from? It's just nice to go. Oh, and to me, it helps me set it as the goal. What do I choose to believe? What belief is in alignment with what I truly desire? And if you don't parse that out, you just get what you get. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's what people call life. They just think things happen. But it's really just things you picked up from growing up or society or whatever. I think with money is a great because there's a lot of societal stuff you can pick up. Even if your parents are like really great, there's still things you can pick up just from how people talk about money around you. For sure. For sure. For sure. So good. I feel like this has been just jam-packed with some potent stuff. So if anyone listening wants to come find you, I know your Instagram handle because I can't forget it because it's so cute. It's at Return to Daydreams. Yes. And is there any place else you would want to have them? Yeah. So I'm on Pinterest at Return to Daydreams too. And I have a blog of long form content at Return to Daydreams. Nice. And I don't have a podcast, but I will very soon have a podcast under the same name because I love continuities. Yeah. Lovely. Okay, good. Go follow Jasmine. Let us know how this was, what your self-concept is, all the things, and we will see you next one.